Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? It's going pretty good, Joe. You know, just doing the doing the dad life thing, that kind of stuff. So uh, it's going good. Actually, the the late night, you know, actually, I wake up now at 3 or 4 a.m. It's, it's a great <laughs> time to check baseball things because it's all over, right, here on right, the East right. Coast. Uh, especially with games going faster. I don't even, it doesn't even need to be this late, but that was always the thing is I never got to see the end of like the West coast scores I had to check in the morning. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. now I wake up at three or 4 AM. They're all done. You wake up three, 4 AM, watch quick pitch right on the MLB network uh, and watch all the highlights or I don't know if is KBO going on right now. Cause don't, don't they have a big oh, time. That's a good right? idea. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, glad to see that uh, everything's working out. You look good. You actually look uh, well rested for a guy that's uh, juggling, uh, you know, the two twins. Not Four two and a half twins. hours. Twins. Of sleep, man. I said two twins. How silly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are two of them. Yeah. I got four yeah. and a half hours of sleep. I'm fresh as a daisy. This is oh, as good as it gets. Go. There you go. All right. Hey, you know, I, I've noticed that your, your uh, tigers are, are feisty this year. Yeah, well, if you'll recall, back in April, that was a long, <laughs> long month. They were just horrible. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I've mentioned this before. It's it's tough because especially this early in the season, we only like we will often see the worst of something and just be like, oh, mm-hmm. it's over. They're never right. going to be good again. Or we'll see the best of something and be like, they're contenders. I mean, right. the the Pirates and the Tigers have really done a good job, like sort of swapping places. Pirates yeah. started out just hot as can be and then went super, super cold. Tigers started out super, super cold. Now they're super hot. Neither team is really a contender. Uh, they're, they're both trying to, I think, finish in the middle of their division. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the nature of early season, right? Now, it's it's evening out a little more. Right. I mean, what you're also going to see in your leagues even is, you know, in in Tau, I'm in the 15 team mixed auction and I was on top by like 20 roto points for the first whole month of the season. And now I'm in fourth because mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. team was oh, overperforming. I knew that it was. Uh, I've mm-hmm. had some guys go down on injury and now it's evening out. This doesn't mean everything's terrible. Right. I mean, it has been terrible for that team for two weeks, but uh, it's just, this is what the downtimes look like. And and my goal is not to stay first place all season. It's to try to be there at the end. Right. So right now I just need to stay in striking distance, make moves that keep me there. Uh, and, and that's, that's sort of a, it's a nice metaphor for how this all works, right? Like yeah. you, you start out real hot, you might get real cold. That doesn't, doesn't mean give up. It just means, you know, w- change your goals a little bit because it's May, not September. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting uh, smacked around this week in my tout league. You know, I've, Started out really good, like like you said. You know, you have to be top six to make the playoffs in my head-to-head uh, Tout Wars league. But defending champ Frank Stanfield, two-time defending champ, is smacking me around this week. Uh, man, uh, you know, my pitching just fell apart for this week. But you know what? There's always next week. So it looks like you know what's weird about it, Scott, and is that the uh, standings they they update. So quickly. So now it already has me down as, as losing this week, even though we have uh, basically, by the way, we're recording this on Sunday, May 21st, but we have a, a full slate of games that have yet to be played. And there's no way I'm going to catch Frank uh, this week, but it already has me uh, as losing. And I started the week in third place. Now I'm down to fifth place. So still, if the season ended today, I'd make the playoffs, but it's a long season and I could easily fall out of it or I could stay in. So uh, just going to try to fight it out, you know? <laughs> yeah, Fr- Frank's your former uh, co-host, if I recall, right? Yes, yes, yep. Uh, Frank and, and Mike Florio, we did a show for the Fantasy Sports uh, Radio Network, and now he uh, does the CBS uh, baseball yeah. podcast. He's, he's really does a great job with that. Yeah, nice guy, real big shot now, right? Like he's yeah, a, he's yeah. top of the game. Yeah, I like. I knew him cool. when. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but you know, I mean, that's. That's actually one of the fun things about doing I, I won't take too much time with this, but like one of the Good. fun things about doing this on online now is like, if you recall way back in the day, you had to pay for these live updates, right? Like mm-hmm. Yahoo had stat tracker. You had to pay. And like, I was getting called every evening by folks like, where are my standings now? Cause I paid the 10 bucks a month for stat tracker. Right. Like God forbid <laughs> oh, you go geez. back further and you had to like check the box scores the next day. Now it's like, now I know that I stink so fast. Right? Like it happens, <laughs> yeah. I get to see it in real time. Yeah, you get the notifications on your phone, right? You know, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I, I checked my my uh, 
phone all too often and I find out that I'm you know getting smacked around like I said by Frank this week but we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see how things go uh, but uh, this week uh, figured that maybe we talk about uh, some of the uh, young uh, budding fantasy superstars that have been calling up been getting called up recently we had another couple this week and and some are on their way and some are already here so just get your take on that and uh, why don't we start with uh, Matt McClain, who got called up by the Cincinnati Reds this week, has started four games at shortstop for them, and uh, batting at the top of the order, batting second. Uh, high walk rates in the minor leagues, good power and speed combination, uh, gradually increases uh, fly ball rate uh, in the minor leagues. It's uh, taken over for Jose Barrero, who's been playing some outfield while McClain's uh, been playing this week, and Kevin Newman had played some shortstop for the Reds. But uh, I'm liking the the rest of season projections that I'm seeing. Uh, Steamer has him for 14 home runs and, and nine stolen bases the rest of the way. Uh, what do you see uh, going forward for McLean? Do you like him? You know, I, I do. The one thing I, you know, I always look for in these players, especially, you know, obviously McLean, he had a nice strikeout rate in AAA so far this season, 173 plate appearances, only striking out 19.7% of the time. But that can change really dramatically in the majors. We know that last season in AA, strikeouts were a problem for McLean. And that's really going to be the secret here. It's going to be, can McLean keep that strikeout rate under or around 30%? Right. So under obviously better, but a guy like him, who I think can walk 10% or more of the time can live with a 30% strikeout rate. Uh, it's just tough, right? Because he's got the power to do it. I think in a full season, we'd see something like 25 home runs, maybe more if he adapted quickly. Uh, the the real question again for McLean is, can he keep the strikeout rate down? Obviously we've only seen him for four games. The strikeout rate is ugly right now, but I mean, that's, we can't really rely too much on that. That's pretty fluky, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it's, it's something that I really want to watch right off the bat. You know, he's he's worth a speculative ad in most formats. If you have a spare, you know, if you've got a spare spot, I know a lot of folks, especially in these leagues that don't have a middle infield, are already set at shortstop, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you probably drafted one that's going to be better than Matt McLean. But if you've lost your shortstop, say you drafted O'Neill Cruz uh, and you've just been floundering ever since he left, this is definitely a guy to pick up to see if you can get some of that power and speed back. The strikeout rate will help us learn whether he sticks around for a long time uh, because basically a player like this can't survive with an OBP south of like 310, right? Mm-hmm. Because he just, <laughs> he strikes out too much, right? So uh, if that if that strikeout rate goes up, you see the ratios come down too far and they'll just go back to someone like Jose Barrero who already gave them bad ratios, right? <laughs> so, right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he, he's got to show that he's an upgrade. I, I think that he is, uh, but, you know, even today on Sunday, he's already struck out, you know, he struck out in both of his plate appearances. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's, you know, again, it, it's a little bit ugly. So that's 10 strikeouts in his first 20 plate appearances. I think he can turn it around, but that's what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. And that's right. You know, like I said, we're recording this on Sunday. It's uh, 1238 Eastern time and the Yanks are playing. Uh, the, their start time was at 1130. I totally forgot, you know, while I was prepping for the show, it's uh, the Peacock game. Right. So um, but, uh, you know, the, the Reds uh, coming into today's action, 19 and 26. So uh, probably not going to contend for a spot in the playoffs. But thankfully, uh, they have the Oakland A's at, with 10 wins on the season, so they're not the worst team in baseball. But the reason why I bring up that they're not you know, all that competitive is because there's another couple of guys that people are talking about whether or not they're going to call them up, like uh, Christian Incorcion Strand, uh, third base, first baseman, who's really killing it in AAA, uh, batting 365 with a 391 OBP. You know, not walking too much, but has some nice power. Also, another guy that uh, some people are speculating that's going to get called up before the end of the year is Ellie De La Cruz. And uh, so, uh, you know, with the Reds probably not competing for the playoffs this season, um, are these guys that you might consider stashing? Man, so in those 12-team leagues, especially the ones without corner infield, without middle infield, you can't stash. There, there's so Ooh. few players worth stashing. Right. And one of those players might be Jordan Walker, although it's really tough that he didn't get a call uh, when they had an opening. Instead, they went to uh, Oscar Mercado, a retread, former guardian, former, I think, a couple things now, uh, speed only guy, really Mm -hmm. not relevant in most leagues. They went with him instead of Jordan Walker. That's not a great sign. 
uh, Encarnacion Strand, uh, he's he's someone that I'm sort of interested in, although, again, he strikes out a ton, right? And mm-hmm. it's really tough to see these. It's really hard to feel great about players who are striking out at a higher clip in, in AAA because when they come to the majors, we don't usually see that get better, right? We usually right. actually expect to see that strikeout rate get, get a little worse. worse. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because they're facing better pitching. So the fact that Encarnacion Strand doesn't walk means that he's a real boomer bust sort of player. Mm-hmm. I, I think if he gets called up, he's worth a look um, if you have an opening at corner infield. But he's not someone I'm stashing because, again, if there's one tool I want a player to have when they come to the majors, it's the hit tool. Other stuff can come, right? Like power, game power, that can develop as they continue to hone that hit tool. Really hard to improve your hit tool at the major league level. So, I mean, I'd much rather see a guy with a good hit tool come up who's still kind of working on that power. Maybe he'll find it, right? Because at least he can get hits, do something for you. But these players that are all power, no hit tool, it's a really difficult transition. Some of them make it, right? But some of them don't. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that type of player so volatile. I mean, we see them all over the waiver wire now, right? I mean, what is Jack Sawinski but a guy with a bad hit tool and a bunch of power, mm-hmm. right? He, he yep. goes on hot streaks, and and it's hard for him because he misses so much stuff in the zone. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. even even a guy who I like longer term as a top 75 to 100 player, Brent Rooker, Brent Rooker mm-hmm. uh, also struggles with hit tool. Right. He's got a good eye to take walks, but the hit tool is not great. He misses a lot. He misses a lot at stuff in the zone. He's disciplined, but his contact ability is not great. Right. Mm-hmm. Without that hit tool, it means the slumps can look really bad. Now, he's staying afloat. He's obviously not nearly been as good this month as he was in April, but he's staying afloat, and that's key because he takes walks. He can do some of those things, but that's what we're asking these players to do. It works for a guy like Rooker because he walks, and Carnassian mm. Strand doesn't walk, which is going to make it even harder to keep up that kind of performance. Not saying he won't, just saying he's a guy that I off, you know, have red flags for me immediately because bad hit tool is one of the things that just – it makes that transition that much harder. It's the one right. tool that these young players really need to have. And the, the guys that you just mentioned, Rooker, and we just talked about Strand, uh, I guess they also have the slight benefit of you know, playing for or getting called up to play for teams that aren't expected to compete for a, a championship, right? So uh, those particular teams might be a little bit more patient and let them develop, you know? Uh, so, and you, you're right, uh, in Corsnion, a strand, 25.5% K rate, uh, you know, and very easily could jump up to 30 once he hits the, the big leagues. But uh, yeah, And it's ahead. been Sorry. worse here in yeah. May, right? Now he started mm-hmm. out super duper hot and that's keeping that strikeout rate looking a little better. Uh, that mm-hmm. strikeout rate's up at 29.5% here in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gotten a little bit better the last few games, but those strikeouts are just killer. Because again, AAA, it, it, the level of pitching, I mean, the jump from AAA to the majors in terms of the starting pitching you face is incredibly dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the hardest thing that for projecting these players. So yeah, like a guy can hit the, you know, the, it's the same ball. Right. It's the same. They're using the same bat. It's the pitchers that change. So mm-hmm. that's what stuff, you know, his teammate, Ellie De La Cruz has, you know, again, he's a high strikeout rate guy as well. Right. He strikes out about 30 percent of the time every year in the minors. Little difference for him is that this last this current season, he is walking. Right. If he can walk it, even if either of them get to the majors and can walk it, even a league average rate, six percent, seven percent, eight percent. I, I think their odds of doing something uh, significant for fantasy go way up, right? Neither mm-hmm. one has a great hit tool right now. Both of them have a ton of power. De La Cruz, the thing he brings and Carcel and Strand doesn't bring is actually speed. Uh, but he's walking a little bit. That makes me a little bit more interested in what he can do coming up and also the speed, right? Even if uh, the hit tool fails just a little bit, if he can walk, that means he gets on base. That means he can run. Mm-hmm. But looking at his strikeout, right? You're right with De La Cruz, Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, he's walking, uh, you know, a lot more, uh, almost thirteen percent right now in AAA. But you look at his strikeout rates over the past few years in the minor leagues; they've been uh, slightly over thirty percent. So, wow. <laughs> you know? I will say though, you know, Ellie De La Cruz, he's actually been really. I think he, I probably, I mean, I favor him much more than Encarnacion Strand, uh, if okay. only because this this month, the month of May, Ellie De La Cruz walking sixteen point nine percent of the nine. Time striking out only twenty one point seven percent of the time. There you so, go. I mean, that's getting pretty right, close right. to one to one. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> even that that I mean, that's just game logs. But still, I mean, he is tearing. Not only is he hitting the ball hard, 
but he's taking the walks. He's bringing the strikeouts down. That's what his team yeah. wants to see. And Ellie De La Cruz, unlike Encarnacion Strand, Ellie De La Cruz on the 40 man roster already. So there yeah, another go. reason he could get, you know, he could get a call. Uh, obviously his spot has to open up uh, because he plays third base shortstop. So, I mean, it, I'm not sure there's a spot there for him right now, but if he gets called up and he's still showing this kind of plate discipline, um, I think you have to make it a high level. I mean, that would be a guy who uh, borderline stash, right? Cause this is also one of the top overall prospects in baseball, Ellie De La Cruz. Mm-hmm. So that's, he's close to the stash line, but still stashing guys in standard leagues just doesn't work. No. How about the Mets? Mets been a little disappointing playing 500 ball. And uh, they called up uh, Mark Vientos this week. Uh, primarily a third baseman, but played some shortstop, outfield, first base, good power numbers, despite hitting the ball on the ground more often over the past couple of seasons. Has hit for a decent average in the minor leagues, uh, 277, I think, career batting average in the minor leagues. Do you think he's going to get enough playing time in this Met lineup to make him worthy of a roster spot uh, on your fantasy team? He already sat the day after... Uh, his debut, which he hit a home run. So I'm wondering how much playing time he's going to get moving forward. It's going to be so tough, right? Because Vientos right-handed, that's one of the biggest things holding him back because the, the, like the places for him to slot in that are most obvious, right? Third base DH. Guess who the Mets use there? Brett Batty, uh, who's yeah. a lefty and a rookie. I mean, really highly regarded rookie sure. uh, at third base. So he's lefty and the DH Daniel Vogelbach, who continues to, you know, keep getting uh, starting gigs. He's, he's there, you know, starting DH cause he's left-handed, right? And this lineup mm-hmm. doesn't have a whole lot of other ones, especially left-handed with power. The two they have in the lineup that are pure left-handed hitters are, are uh, Nemo and McNeil, right? <laughs> the two of them together might not get to 20 home runs. So, uh, they want left-handed power in the lineup and that the places they can get it are third base and DH, which is where I would have pegged Vientos to play. So mm-hmm. it's going to be just really, really tough for him. I think to get enough playing time to matter, he's worth watch listing in the event that he can get some regular run. Right. But that's going to be hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mets, like I said, have had their struggles. One guy in particular, I know he wasn't even on our, uh, our, um, a list of players to talk about, but what have you been doing with Lindor this year on the hitter list? You're mostly keeping him where he is. We see this from Francisco Lindor. He goes through these slumps, right? And every year we talk about it, like, Oh, is he, is it done now? Is it done now? I mean, even last season, that's what we saw. We saw Francisco Lindor have these longer slump periods. You look at the rolling charts, you see him on there, right? He, he doesn't hide them. Uh, I, I think the, obviously the upside is not what it was several years ago. He, he is getting a little bit older. He's not old. He's only 29, but right. uh, he's, he's getting a little older. The slumps that we're seeing from him now are not as bad as the slumps we've seen in years past, right? We actually saw this exact same thing early in the season in 2022. He actually did it several times in 2022. What I like, and again, rolling charts are really helpful because what they'll let you do is see when else was this guy this bad. Right. Even if you just pull up the standard fan graphs, gives you a standard 15 game rolling Woba. And you can look at those those peaks and valleys. And what we're, what we're seeing right now is he actually was kind of good for a little while this season. And then, of course, he's had this slump. But this slump, it's nothing compared to what we've seen. It could get way worse. Right. I, actually, right, what yeah. I like if he turns this around now, it's a good sign for me because that means maybe the floor isn't as low as it's been in other seasons, right? And the overall stat line looks bad because really he's got one peak and kind of two valleys. He started the year poorly and then uh, he had a nice little spike and then he goes back to, you know, playing a little poorly. But that's just, I mean, that's going to balance out. You know, check again by the, even by like mid-June, the stat line might be right back to what we expect, right? Because that's the type of player he is. I mean, we've already seen this with so many players, uh, maybe not so many, but Lewis Robert comes to mind, right? Lewis Robert was horrible for the first month of the season, then decided not to be horrible anymore. He was the best hitter in baseball for two weeks. Everything's evened itself back out. That's just what these guys are capable of doing. I mean, a good example last season, Marcus Semyon, right? He's the classic example. He was terrible Mm. for the first month of the season, turns it on. He's the best second baseman rest of the way, right? Mm -hmm. Bobichet not, you know, very average for the first two thirds of the season, last third of the season, best, you know, one of the best shortstops in fantasy finishes as a top 25 player, because that's what he's capable of. Francisco Lindor has the talent to carry your whole team for several weeks at a time, right? Which means you can't do anything. Like you have to just keep him in. 
right? You dra- mm-hmm. you didn't draft a whole lot of other shortstops. I guess if you're in some super shallow league, like a 10 teamer and you have another high level shortstop, but you're, there's, there's just no way for me to, I, I mean, any player that's really a top 50 hitter, it's hard to cut them right now unless they're hurt and they're just out of the game. Francisco right. Lindor is probably a tier better than that, right? He's like a top 30 hitter. So sure. I, he's not, he's not even someone I'm willing to bench yet. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so why don't we take a quick break here? Our focus is on uh, young fantasy superstars in the making, at least we hope. But we're going to be talking about a couple that have really been slumping uh, really badly. Gunnar Henderson, uh, Michael Harris. And we'll talk about them right after this. All right. We're back on Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina. You can follow me at Joe Galina. You can follow Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. And uh, we've been focusing on some young players uh, in this episode. And, uh, you know, Gunnar Henderson, Scott, um, you know, the, the, the Orioles uh, keep rolling them out there. Third baseman uh, plays some short, uh, really struggling, uh, batting 192 in his first 41 games. And uh, expected stats aren't much better. Uh, close to a 40% whiff rate on breaking balls, batting just 083 against them. Uh, Gunnar Henderson fly ball rate is significantly higher uh, than last season. And he's not going the opposite way as much. If you're looking for some encouragement, average exit velocity uh, just above the league average. So he's hitting the ball hard. Uh, but uh, what's your take on Gunnar Henderson? I mean, at this stage, you know, you're going to be at least uh, benching him on your fantasy. Yeah, I've actually, uh, in the Reddit AMA that I do uh, for Pitcher List every Friday, I actually talked about in these 12-teamers, no corner infield, uh, the shallower benches, you can let him go, right? So he was a borderline top 50 player coming, or top 50 uh, hitter coming into the season. At this point, I mean, there was there was something that we saw late last season that we talked about, but we hoped would kind of correct itself. And that was this rising strikeout rate. Uh, The whiffs kept coming and coming and coming. Pitchers found more and more holes in his swing. We get to this season. uh, He had a re you know, the strikeout rate was real rough. The first few weeks, we see it get better for just a little bit. And now it's already back on the rise. It doesn't really stay down for any meaningful period of time. He's not the type of player that can live with a 30% strikeout rate because he doesn't walk that much. Right. He Mm -hmm. walks, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to walk like 15 percent of the time or something to make up for this kind of strikeout rate. Uh, The the walk rate, you know, it's it is high. Right. At times he's been around that. But like right now it's coming back down. He's got to find a way to quit whiffing. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. We can talk about how the batted ball quality isn't isn't there yet, but it won't matter if he doesn't hit. And that Mm. strikeout rate is just really, really tough to stomach on any fantasy team because nothing can come from a strikeout. You can get something from good contact, right? You might get a sack fly in the right situation. You might, you you get something, something, you might, you (laughs) can hang your hat on a guy who's making contact, but uh, Gunnar Henderson really struggling to make contact. Even when he walks, he's hitting like the strikeouts are so high that it's just not enough. So you Mm -hmm. can let him go in some of these shallower leagues, obviously not in keeper dynasty, anything like that. But mm-hmm. especially because, you know, Gunner isn't someone that's going to bring a whole lot of speed to the table. Uh, he, he's got a little bit, you know, I thought that he could steal 10 or 15 bases, but you know, otherwise it's not, it's not that much. Again, OPP leagues might be able to hold on. Cause like I said, he is walking a lot. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I misspoke. I, I thought he wasn't walking as much. He is walking a lot. Uh, it's yeah. down a little bit. It's 17% down a little bit. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down a little bit these last two weeks or so, but overall mm-hmm. still walking a ton. But again, I never count on a player being successful for any meaningful period of time when their average strikeout rate is constantly in the thirties. It's just Mm -hmm. too, it's too much to ask. So few players can survive with that kind of strikeout rate. You have to be extremely special. Not as though Gunnar Henderson doesn't have high level talent, right? There's, Mm -hmm. I mean, we could very well at the end of the season still be looking at a guy who hits a total of 20 home runs, steals 10 bases, right? The, the ratios won't look that good, but maybe his OBP is close to 340. Like that, that's, I mean, he could still be that, but man, you're already wish casting and that's all you get. You know, you're mm. hoping that if he turns around, he's a 10 home run or a 20 home run, 10 stolen base guy with an okay, you know, with a decent OBP. Like the, yeah. that's not something when, when you're trying to like hang on to something, you, it needs to be better than that. 
right? right? Especially in those yeah. shallower leagues. So I'm ready to move on right now. Um, or I mean, at the minimum, you're benching him. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get sent down at some point. Uh, guys, he's not even 22 years old yet. Uh, we're not giving up on him long term. We're just saying that in fantasy redraft shallow leagues, you don't need to wait right now. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, expected stats don't really paint a rosy picture either. Even though his BABIP uh, is 278 and he is hitting the ball pretty hard. Um, and like I agree with you, you give him a little bit of a longer leash in OBP leagues. He has a 336 OBP, but uh, on pace to at best hit somewhere around 15 home runs. Uh, and and at this stage, a little less than ten stolen bases. So, uh, and I, you know, you kind of read my mind because you know it's kind of guy that you think that maybe you know when you're looking at player news, all of a sudden he his name pops up as somebody who gets sent down to AAA, and that might just be the best thing for him, just to you know get a little reset going. But yeah. uh, I'm glad you mentioned his BABIP though, because I, I've seen that come up in a couple conversations. I saw it come up a little bit in the last few Reddit AMAs. Here's the thing with Babbitt. Uh, Babbitt is a less good version of expected batting average, right? Mm-hmm. So the gap between batting average and expected batting average gives you a much better view, especially if you're using the one we have over on our p- player pages at Pitcher List, because we do factor in a few more things that traditional StatCast is not. But either way, uh, the ex- the gap between batting average and expected batting average tells you a lot more about luck than Babbitt, because this 278 Babbitt is well earned. It's not great contact. Right. Mm-hmm. The types that the, the type of contact he's making is high degree of outs. Right. Like it's just stuff that that constantly goes for outs. So it's not as though like you can expect the luck to get better because the BABIP's bad. The BABIP's not going to get better until you actually like that. That whole 300 BABIP is average. Yeah. If you're making average contact, but he's making below average contact. So that BABIP is going to be low. Right. That expected batting average is telling us something barely north of 200 as the average and he's hitting 192 that means this ain't bad luck it means it's bad contact mm-hmm. yeah okay um speaking of the orioles who actually uh having a pretty good season you know they've been in second place in the al east and uh, a guy that they uh brought up sent down and called him up again i'll just mention him and, and get your quick take on him is joey ortiz uh Plays a second base shortstop, a little third as well. And especially if they send Gunnar Henderson down, do you think that maybe now moving forward that uh, he's going to get some more playing time, Joey Ortiz, or, you know, he's basically uh, the kind of guy that they're just going to, you know, you know, call up when, you know, they have a a need and send down when they don't. I mean, the guy has a, a decent, pedigree in the minor leagues 277 351 436 triple slash a little bit of power a little speed he hit 19 home runs uh for uh, double a and triple a in 2022 so uh, any interest in ortiz long term or do you think that he's just basically going to be uh on the taxi squad for the yeah so this is the type of player who who gets really high on overall prospect licks lists because Mm -hmm. he's got a good hit tool and a good glove Right. The problem is that doesn't parlay into fantasy super well. He doesn't run much. Uh, he he doesn't hit a ton of home runs. I mean, last season is the most he's ever had in a single season between double A AA and triple A. Uh, he hit 19. Right. 15 of those coming in double uh, A. Right. Uh, he is in a park that, you know, as a righty is going to be really difficult for him to hit pull fly balls in anyway. So the the issue here is that he doesn't walk much. He doesn't have a ton of pop, so he's at best a deep points league play because I do think he'll make contact when he plays. I, obviously, he's not doing that very well right now, but I think that he could. Uh, it's He just doesn't do enough for me in 12-team leagues, obviously not 10. I mean, 15-team leagues with playing time makes anybody sort of kind of interesting, but even if he started every day for the rest of the season, I think he probably falls short of 10 home runs. Hmm. Okay. Um, moving forward with another slumping uh, young hitter, second year in the league, Michael Harris, the second outfielder for the Braves. Um, I mean, how worried should we be about um, his drop-off this season? Uh, coming into the season, there were some question marks about him from the fantasy baseball community based on his inability to hit lefty pitching. That was, that was a worry. Uh, But, uh, you know, he got hurt earlier in the season uh, is now, uh, 
healthy, at least we think he's healthy, but uh, putting up a 177, 261, 266 triple slash, uh, walking a pretty good amount, 9.1% walk rate. His K rate is actually down uh, five percentage points from last season. It's at 19.3, but just a home run, uh, five RBI, and four stolen bases in his first 24 games. How uh, concerned should we be with Michael Harris? And you look at, you know, I mean, his batting average against off-speed pitches, uh, even though there's only 16 plate appearances we're talking about, but 067. So a little bit better discipline, but the the results are pretty bad. Yeah, really interesting. If you look at if you're a PL, you know, if you're a PL Plus member, you can take a look at the rolling hitting charts we have. He's actually gotten much better at making decisions, much better at judging the strike zone. Two things he wasn't great at last season, uh, but one thing has fallen off. So what saved him last season when he wasn't making the best of decisions and he wasn't judging the strike zone the best was that he had a really good contact ability, right? So, uh, you know, his overall average wasn't great, but really at the end of the season, we saw that contact ability jump way up where it was top, you know, top 75th to top 90th percentile, right? That was great. But this season, it's been horrible, right? His, his contact ability is way below average and that's where we're seeing all this. It's not as though he doesn't understand the strike zone. In fact, he's gotten better at that. He's gotten better at darn near everything except for, of course, well, and he was hitting for a ton of power last season when he hit, but the contact ability and the power are gone. So it's not that he doesn't know when to swing. It's that when he does, he's not hitting the ball as often. And even when he does hit it, he's not hitting it as hard. So this is the kind of thing that I find that players can bounce back from, right? Because again, this isn't a thing where he can't make contact ever, right? He's just not doing it right now. Uh, And and it's not as though, again, like you said, his strikeout rate's not bad. So it's not Mm -hmm. as though he is making contact. It's just not as good, right? He is making some contact. He's not making it as often as we'd like. Uh, especially on pitches that he really should do more damage with. He's just not right now. That is something I think that can be tweaked and get better. He is really at, he's getting towards the end of the rope. I I don't think you should be cutting him in leagues quite yet. This is a, you know, this is a top 30 to 40 overall uh, hitter that, that we've seen. I mean, he was last season. He missed a whole month, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this is a guy who has that kind of explosive talent. It's tough right now because they're they're going to keep plugging him at the bottom of the order. Uh, I was high on him coming in the season thinking that he could keep making contact, keep being at the top of the batting order. Uh, he's just not able to do that right now. You can't cut him yet. It's okay if you bench him because it is a little easier to find an outfielder in a lot of leagues. I get it. You might have one. Uh, but otherwise, man, you got to hold on just a little bit longer to see if he can make that, those little micro adjustments to just improve that contact ability because again not striking out a bunch it's not like everything's just falling out it's just mm-hmm. it, he's he's much closer than i think the stat line leads you to like makes you think you think that it's right. just all over but when the play discipline is still good uh the decision making is still good then there's still hope right with whereas when we see other players where they just can't make contact that's a much you know going not making contact at all so striking out a ton and asking them to start making contact that's a big ask but for a guy that is making some contact it just needs to be a little better that's something that just is it's a more incremental goal it's something that I do think that a player like Harris can do uh, it's just a bit of a transition we see sophomore slumps in players all the time cuz pitchers are now attacking them in new ways it's a game of constant adjustment i'd give him just a little bit more time um, but you know, if it still looks like this sometime, you know, two or three weeks from now, we're not seeing any more signs of hope, then it's probably starting to be time to think about who are my options on the wire? Are they worth giving up Harris's potential so that I can get some action now? Right. Yeah. I mean, you can't trade him because you'd be trading him at as low as value possible. Uh, and, and who's a, buying exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, and it, uh, three outfield the league. I, I agree with you. You sit them. There's probably going to be at least something viable on the waiver wire. But uh, yeah, uh, I like your analysis on that. Um, and, um, and why don't we talk before we head out for our first break about uh, one more player? He's, you know, he's kind of slumping. But then again, you know, I watch him play every day, and I. I see hope for him, and maybe it's because I'm a homer, but uh, Anthony Volpe, shortstop for the Yankees, um, through his first 48 games, uh, 211, 299, 386, triple slash, uh, seven home runs, 18 RBI, 13 stolen bases, 
the overall K rate uh, at uh, 29.4, which is reminiscent of his K rate when he got promoted to AAA uh, last season. Last season at AAA, it was only 22 games, but had a 30.3 K rate. Uh, and, you know, I, I took a page out of your book, looked at, at the rolling charts. His, his WOBA has been as high as 392 and as low as 215. 215. Now it sits around 290. K rate is fluctuated between 18 to 36%. Uh, I watch him, you know, every day because I watch a lot of Yankee games, of course. And like I said, I mean, he's got a, a level of energy. Once he gets on base, you know, there's a good chance he's going to run. But what do you think in terms of what you've seen so far and taking a look at the stats in terms of his uh, long-term viability, at least for the the rest of the season? I mean, long-term, long-term, obviously, uh, there's no reason not to be high on Anthony Volpe. I, I think he's mm-hmm. still one of the elite prospects. I think that he's a guy who's still really interesting in fantasy long-term. The question is, you know, what do we do with him right now? It was interesting that when the Yankees were running him out there uh, batting first, right? Mm-hmm. So so that was interesting. And what we have seen, at least over the last, you know, if I just look at the last 51 plate appearances, so that's from May 8th through the 20th. Uh, what we have seen is a big uptick in power. He's got Four home, four of his five home runs this season are in that stretch of this month or in that stretch of time, right? So he's mm-hmm. he's finding the power there. Uh, he did steal two bags, both against the same team, but whatever. He's got that speed. We know that's there. So I like seeing the boost in power. I don't love that he's not walking much. That the strikeout rate, even over that, you know, even the, over this good period of fifty-one plate appearances, that strikeout rate's around thirty-one percent. But again, there are signs of life here. There's a lot of potential. In 12-team leagues, especially the ones, I know I keep saying it with no middle infield, but the reason I keep saying that is because now ESPN and Yahoo have both changed their default format to exclude middle and corner infield and are down to three outfield with two utility. Uh, he's really tough to hold on to. Again, one of the few prospects that, you know, especially because he's already up, that you you do kind of want to stash, but it's shortstop is a tough position to do that with simply because we just we keep seeing all these great shortstops be out there the it's a really deep shortstop pool even with injuries to the position so far this season uh it's you know what i'd love for to to really buy in on him being a 12 team starting shortstop kind of player which is an incredibly high bar let's remember almost everybody had their shortstop by the 10th round of fancy drafts this year uh, mm-hmm. to to make to make that leap i'd love to see him bat first more or something right he's back down to sixth or seventh that's as low as i really think you can go but man if he can get back towards the top of that lineup and i think that's just making a little bit more contact i mean just that strikeout rate will get better uh it's just again like you mentioned that he was already striking out that much in triple a uh mm-hmm. not ever before that though so in double a and before he had really good strikeout rates i think this is just a matter of hasn't played that many games combined in in triple a and above he's still only at what 70 games played so there's still time i think to make this adjustment i think if he can get the, you know if we're looking at that strikeout rate sitting more at like 25 percent, i think all of a sudden it's a player who ends the season i mean this is a guy who has the kind of talent who could end this season with 20 home runs and oh i don't know 30 to 35 stolen bases mm-hmm. right i mean that's that's that that's that level of player it's one of the reasons mm-hmm. you might you want to hold on to Volpe if you can, because the guys on the wire ain't that good, right? right. <laughs> they're just they're not going to show you that kind of upside. Uh, I mean, even rest of season, if you talk about fifteen home runs, twenty stolen bases, I think that's there. I think that there's that talent, but the first thing we need to see is that strikeout rate come down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. So uh, let's take another break here. And when we come back, going to take a look at some of the younger players that have been trending up, uh, being watched uh, in leagues and uh, being added in leagues as well. Uh, We'll talk about them right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, the fantasy baseball podcast, Joe Galina and Scott Chu. We're talking about young players budding fantasy stars uh, and their uh, long-term viability, rest of season viability. A uh, few guys that uh, uh, I've see have been added uh, recently, Scott, and getting some attention. And uh, your favorite team, the Rockies, has a guy, uh, Brenton Doyle, been playing center field for them. Um, in his first 21 games of the season, 
four home runs, 12 RBI, six stolen bases with a 246, 281, 508 triple slash. Uh, past seven days has hit three home runs, seven RBI, uh, batting 350. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested, but on the other hand, I, I look at his strikeout rates and they kind of scare me. I mean, he's barreling the ball a ton, 17%, uh, but are the strikeouts going to do him in? Man, that's such a ra- I mean, I keep saying it. It's a razor thin margin of error, right? He needs every batted ball to be of the utmost quality because he's not walking right now. He did walk in the minor leagues um, mm-hmm. in 2022 and in 2023, you know, for his brief time in the minors. But with a below average walk rate and a above 30% strikeout rate, I know I'm a broken record, but that it's just really hard to succeed that way, especially mm-hmm. on a team who has to constantly change their hitting environment. The Coors effect goes both ways, right? So it, as much as it helps you at home, it hurts you on the road because everything moves more. So right. I, I'm not, a fan. I mean, you want to stream, if you want to stream him at home, I think they've got some home games mm-hmm. this week. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. He's hot and he's in course, right? Great. But as far as like, if, if you've got some of these struggling outfielders, like you're sure as heck not even considering adding Brenton Doyle to cut like uh, Michael Harris, like get out mm-hmm. of here, right? <laughs> or, or even Gunnar Henderson, who I said is droppable, not for Brenton Doyle, right? So he is a, he's a streamer in five outfielder leagues because he's hot right now, but he's just one of these players that I, I don't think we're going to be talking about much as soon as June. Right. Okay. Uh, another guy that's been pretty hot. Uh, can play second base, third base, outfield, might be eligible in all three of those positions depending on your league settings. Uh, hit a home run uh, Saturday night. Remember, we're recording this on Sunday, May 21st. Uh, you look at his uh, last well, last 19 games spanning spanning a month. So he's really ha- hasn't been playing every single day, uh, but his playing time has increased. Uh, you look at what he's done, 367, 391, 567, triple slash over the past month. Uh, projection models are non-believers. They don't think that he's going to keep up what he's been doing. Um, and, uh, you know, good uh, minor league pedigree, though. Uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Owen Miller? Oh, Owen Miller. We, we've played this game before with Owen Miller. Mm-hmm. We've seen Owen Miller come up and hit a bunch. I mean, we actually saw this, I believe, the beginning of last season or maybe it was 2021. Uh, he does that, right? He comes up. He's got a decent hit tool, right? He doesn't strike out a ton. He comes up. He makes a bunch of contact. And then we find out that over a long period of time, that contact just isn't very hard. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He, I mean, even his hard hit rate now, his hard hit rate right now is 28%. Right. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. a little low for him, but his career rates at 31.1%. This is just not someone. I mean, the, the big thing here is do, do I think he can hit 280 over the course of a season? Yeah, maybe. Sure. I mean, probably not. Right. His expected batting average right now, somewhere between 270 and 280. It, yeah, sure. He can do that for spurts. But when I talked about the gap between batting average and expected batting average, I said that's a good indicator for luck. So he's been a little lucky on that end. His batting average, 341. His expected batting average somewhere below 300. It's the X slugging now that I'm taking a look at is the power lucky, right? Is where, you know, how does a guy with two barrels slug 500, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> you, you don't do it for very long. That's how uh, he's, he's not someone that puts the ball in the air very much. Uh, he's not someone, I mean, he is pulling the ball, which is cool, but I mean, Owen Miller is, I hate to say it, but he's just a guy. Right, he's going to keep having these little hot streaks, and that's that's fine. And mm-hmm. if you are in dire need of a first or second baseman or whatever it is he qualifies for in your league for a very short period of time, fine. Right, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I said, we saw this at the beginning of last year. This big spike. What was he for the rest of the season? Below average, by mm-hmm. a pretty wide margin. Right, uh, it it just wasn't it wasn't what you wanted. So he's he's a streamer in deep leagues at best. We saw we saw this go on. I'll say he was a he was a good player last season for maybe fifteen to twenty games. Um, it, that's about it. So if you do want to buy in on Owen Miller for whatever reason, uh, your window's about fifteen to twenty games, and he's already used up some of them. Keep some careful tabs on him. Watch the box scores, right? And, uh, try to recognize when uh, his 
uh, level of productivity expires, right? <laughs> you, you should still yeah. be scanning the waiver wire every day. If you added Owen yeah. Miller, you're still scanning the wire every day for the for the next improvement. He is filling a place for you. That's about it. Unless you're in like an only league and even then, right? Because the playing time might go away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about uh, Edouard Julien. Uh, he uh, got called up by the Minnesota Twins. Again, he had been with the Twins earlier in the season, got uh, sent back down. Uh, Jorge Polanco hitting the IL. You, you got to wonder if it's going to be another one of those type of seasons for him because when Polanco came off the IL initially, he was, uh, he was very productive, you know, and uh, uh, but hurt again on the IL. So uh, let's talk about Julian, uh, a bit of a, a free swinger. Again, a guy with uh, some uh, K rates, you know, 24, 25, 29% in the minor leagues. Um but looks like he might be getting some playing time, at least for the short term. Any interest in uh, Julien? If you're going to talk about his plate discipline, you got to talk about the other number, right? This guy walks a ton, a mm. ton, a ton. This is a guy yeah, in, in nine, the month, yeah. 19 yeah. to 20% walk rate yeah. is mm-hmm. what this guy does. Now, the thing is, he's not really shown that at all in the major leagues. We have a very small sample. He's only played nine games, 32 par- plate appearances coming into Sunday's action. Uh mm-hmm. If if he he's not going to walk twenty percent of the time in the major leagues, uh, that's just I mean even Miguel Vargas, one of the most patient hitters I've ever seen, can't keep that up for too long of a time. That's a you know that's a Juan Soto, Joey Votto sort of skill level. You just don't see it. But can he be some? If he can walk, you know that ten to fifteen percent of the time, I think that strikeout rate is going to be high, like you mentioned, a twenty five percent strikeout rate in AAA. My first thought is that's that probably looks like thirty percent in the majors, uh, especially sure. especially yeah. as they're getting started. Right? Doesn't mean it's permanent, but it is mm-hmm. probably how it looked to start. That is how it looks so far right now. Uh, again, this is more of a guy for OBP leagues because overall, I don't think there's a ton here. I, I think in a good season, you might see 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases kind of thing, uh, which is not unlike what he did in the minor leagues. Uh, he's He's got a little bit of both. Uh, his hit tool is not actually that good, which is really weird, but it, it, hit tool, you know, plate discipline is part of hit tool, but it's not the same, right? Uh, he doesn't make a ton of contact, right? I mean, in the minor leagues, what? For, uh, 45% of his plate appearances did not end with him making contact, right? Mm-hmm. Like they were either walks or strikeouts. So um, he, he's, he's a weird player uh, in batting average leagues. I think you're going to be really disappointed because those walks and strikeouts do not create a batting average. They create OBP. So in OBP, mm-hmm. there might be something here in batting average leagues. I think he's, he's not probably worth your time as, as cool as the ratios are, there's not enough power or speed to justify a 220 hitter. Right. Okay. Uh, and sticking with the Twins, uh, Royce Lewis uh, playing some rehab games. Uh, shortstop, uh, uh, been on the IL for a while. Uh, you look at what he, he's done in the minor leagues. Uh, good speed, moderate power, 273, 341, 429, triple slash in five uh, minor league seasons. Um, is he a guy that... Oh, I would think that you'd want him at least on your watch list, but is he a guy that you think is going to get enough playing time and has enough of a hit tool to be uh, somebody that you'd stash? So I do think that he's getting pretty close to stash worthy because I think he might be back by the end, of, like maybe not by the end of this month, but maybe sometime in early June, even uh, he's mm-hmm. definitely someone I'm watching. He's, he's played five games in the minors. He's got three home runs and three steals. <laughs> right, like, this is a guy who uh, he he's been a top 100 prospect basically since 2017. And this guy has been on these lists forever. He just keeps getting hurt. He never he never puts together a full season. But you know, I just talked about Edouard Julien, who just doesn't have the tools. Royce Lewis has the tools. So the moment that we start kind of getting a little bit more steam under you know in a deep league, I think you can start stashing him now. Where if you've got extra bench spaces, you've got a minor league spot. I think he is the type of player that you can stash there. In 12-team leagues, he's got to at least be on your watch list. You probably can't afford to hold on to him quite yet. But uh, we're getting close. I think the the Twins lineup is going to be kind of a weird one to, to put together. Royce Lewis is a shortstop. He's played a little bit of outfield in the minors, but barely. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. just in a couple innings here and there, um, he's barely played any third base. I mean, this is a player who he's pretty much got to play short. Uh, we don't know how long Jorge Polanco will be out, which kind of opens up some room in that twins middle infield. 
So, you know, right now, you know, Carlos Correa is their starting shortstop. Buxton is their DH. Those are the two places that Royce Lewis fits best, which is mm-hmm. tough. So I don't know how much room opens up for him, but if he comes up to play, right, it's not as though Carlos Correa is known as a healthy guy. Byron Buxton, not known as a healthy guy, right? I think an injury to either one of those uh, could open up some playing time for him. I, I don't think they'd try to change his position for like the first time in the majors, right? I don't see him moving to second base. That's where the spot is right now, right? That's why Edward Julian is up. The spot is at second base. Uh, but, I do think Royce Lewis is definitely someone who will be on your radar if we find out he's going to play. And that's the reason I'm saying hold off in the shallow release, because even if he gets called up, we don't know how much he'll play, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have okay. the, yeah, the there's, you know, it was easy to see playing time for Alex Kirloff. It was easy to see playing time for uh, Edward Julian right now at second base. It's not easy to see where a shortstop gets in here. They did not pay Carlos Correa to platoon him. Right. Mm. And even then a platoon guy isn't what you want in a 12 teamer. So you can't, you can't do anything yet, but there could be spots that open up eventually. Right. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes again. Keep an eye on whether or not we see him maybe play some, you know, if they start putting him in the outfield right now, sure. That, that could be interesting. Royce Lewis, uh, because Mm -hmm. there is, there is room in the outfield. It's just not something he's played much. And that would probably extend the time before he comes up because you don't just bring a guy up and say, Hey, you don't play much outfield, right? We'll try it in the pros. <laughs> that's right, just not, right, that's right. not what we do. So uh, Royce Lewis, high level talent, very exciting power and speed, uh, really a total package. Uh, he's also, you know, by all accounts, a, a great guy, easy person to root for a guy who's been through a lot of injuries. It's all there except for playing time, which is a bummer because that, that probably matters more than anything else. Sure. Yeah. All right, good stuff. Um, let's move on to uh, before I, we end this podcast. A couple guys I just wanted to talk about, and they're not necessarily you know rookies or young young guys. Let's talk about the uh, Jake Berger, who's uh, twenty seven, you know, middle aged fantasy guy, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, but been getting a ton, a ton of helium, uh, you know, playing some uh, third base for the. Uh, and DHing it as well, right, for the White Sox. But uh, having a tremendous week and, uh, like I said, just you know, getting a lot of uh, attention uh, on the season, 10 home runs, 23 RBI, batting 292 with a 354 OBP. Um, are you buying the hype on, on Jake Berger? I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. I think he's a great streamer for right now uh, if okay. you need power and a corner mm-hmm. infielder. I mm-hmm. think probably the there's a couple things that are sort of working against him. We'll start with playing time. He's got it right now, but by all accounts, Eloy Jimenez is getting better, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's getting healthy again. When he comes up, that eats up the DH spot, right? Which then where does Jake Berger play? Do they start benching Yohan Moncada? Even if they do, uh, which I doubt, Jake Berger then is a platoon player, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's just not anywhere for him to play when Eloy Jimenez comes back. And that's a problem, right? Because, I mean, Gavin Sheets is a guy who maybe like Berger could platoon with if they want to try him out in the outfield, but I doubt it. It's Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's the biggest wet blanket for Jake Berger is there is going to come a time, I probably within the next week or two, that playing time maybe dries up a ton. Yeah, sure. You can say, well, anyone hitting this good is going to have to stay in the lineup, but not at the expense of Eloy Jimenez. Right. Mm. Uh, you know, they, they think that he'll come in by the end of ne- of this, of this week, right. You're listening to this on Monday. Uh, you know, Jimenez should be back by the end of that week, maybe the week after. So, uh, Jake Berger is on borrowed time. Love the power power's real, right. Hit tool con- comes and goes, right. But the power's all there. That's why he's got, you know, three home runs this last week, uh, and five since like April 27th or something. He's, he's hitting a bunch of home runs. The power again, very real, but he, it's not Elo Jimenez power. Right. Mm. He's not mm-hmm. he's not someone that will keep Eloy Jimenez down. He's not someone that's going to steal playing time from Eloy Jimenez. Right. Which means where does he play now? Maybe again, any other spot becomes a platoon and I'm no longer interested, interested in 12 team leagues. Right. right because right. Mm-hmm. there's basically no platoon player that I'm interested in in 12 team leagues. Mm. Um. Let's talk about a, another middle-aged fantasy guy uh, and connected to a, a younger 
uh, fantasy uh, player as well. But uh, Taylor Ward uh, coming into uh, this weekend, 46 games played, 227, 303, 320, triple slash, uh, four home runs, 17 RBI. What do you see out of him? Is he a a, a buy low or is – I mean, because we all – I mean, I, I unfortunately, I didn't uh, land him in any of my preseason drafts, but he was uh, one of my targets. But, uh, you know, he's been slumping this season. And are we concerned enough or think that's going to last long enough where a guy like a, a Mickey Moniak uh, might be worth an ad? Or maybe are we just interested in Moniak because of recency bias because he's been so good uh, lately? Yeah, very. So Taylor Ward, I mentioned in the Reddit AMA, look in three outfield leagues, these 10, 12 teamers, you can cut him. Okay, Mm -hmm. I get it. Uh, I like Taylor Ward long term. I I do think that there's a good player. He was so good when he was healthy last season. And while he is slumping, right, he I mean, he still his batting average is fine. It's 258. Uh, He's just not doing anything else, which, again, I'm not going to make you hold him. The the Angels have been surprisingly committed to letting him continue to bat lead off or towards the top of the lineup. He still has. You know, this month, he, he spent some time towards the bottom of the lineup, but really for the last uh, two weeks or so, he's never hit lower than fourth. So there, if he can start hitting, there's that, you know, that's there. And we've seen it in spurts, but what we're not seeing is the power. So, I mean, it's been, God, he hasn't had an extra base hit since May 8th. We're right? talking and Taylor really, Ward, right? Taylor Ward. Yeah, because you're batting 227, no? Oh, sorry. I'm just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Oh, uh, talking recent... about in May. In May. Oh, okay. In okay. May, I just wanted to confirm. Yep. Yep. I was like, so okay. in May, in mm-hmm. May, hitting 258. Like, okay. that's a positive sign. But he's not doing anything else with it, right? Gotcha. Okay. One sorry. home run, mm-hmm. one caught stealing. Uh, that's my bad. I make it clear. And this, I mean, the plate discipline ratios are fine, right? His strikeout rate is, you know, at least for this last month, it's been fine, right? 22.9%, mm-hmm. uh, 70 plate appearances in May. There's just nothing to it. Now, we this sounds a lot like what we were talking about earlier, right? Michael Harris is a guy who's who's just not doing anything. He's not striking out too much or anything. He's just, when he makes contact, he's not doing anything. So it is something I think that Ward can get back, right? Uh, again, he was so good when healthy last season. The reason sure. we were so in is because, it was there was a very clear narrative. He stunk when he was hurt. He was good when he was healthy. Right now, we don't have any reason to believe Taylor Ward is unhealthy, but he does stink. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm a little worried for that reason. But I, I, what I do think is you you can probably again let him go in your 12 teamers if you're watching. Like, don't be shocked if sometime we're like, oh yeah, Taylor Ward. Now there it is. There he is. Right mm-hmm. uh, now, the contact means something. Right. Because again, plate discipline all looks the same. It's just the quality of contact. Players can get a little better with that. Right. And it's not even like the hard hit rate is down. It's just the barrels. He's not squaring up the ball. So uh, he could start doing that. And when he does, it'll look great, especially at the top of that Angels lineup. But he's not right mm-hmm. now. And you don't need to wait. Uh, speaking of the Angels, Jared Walsh, excited that he's back. Uh, he, he missed basically the, the whole season. Uh, due to headaches and insomnia, uh, but he struggled uh, pretty badly last season. Um, had some off-season surgery. I, I think that we had kind of nailed, you know, that the issue of why he struggled. At least we hoped, right? Um, but uh, any interest in adding him based on his, you know, previous productive uh, productivity? Not yet. We have very, very little to go on in terms of players coming back from thoracic outlet syndrome, right? Mm. Hitters, especially. Uh, So we know that's, I mean, that just crushed him and he's had all kinds of issues. Uh, I I can't do anything with Jared Walsh quite yet, especially at first base where I've got other guys that I can go get. Mm -hmm. Right. Again, AL only, super deep. Sure, fine. Go ahead. Uh, There is upside, right? He was a 30 home run hitter in 2021. This is a guy who's or close to 30 home runs. I mean, this is a guy who can do that, but we've now only got the one good season to go on. We're two years removed from it, and he's coming off of a bunch of very serious uh, injury concerns, right? So, mm-hmm. look, maybe there's a good storyline here, but it, it's it's going to be something you have to wait to see to, you know, for that to unfold, right? Mental struggles are one thing. That's hard enough to get over. And he had physical issues as well. Not a doctor, but I know that that stuff is really hard to come back from. So it's really a wait and see kind of thing. Again, hopefully it's all great news. But the 
the angels, you know, it's not like, it's not like the Taylor Ward situation where they're going to keep batting him first. Right. I, mm-hmm. I would not, I would not expect Jared Walsh to be a regular every day to start out. I would not expect him to hit high in the order right away, which means there's no reason to roster him right away. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Cause I have him on my uh, tout league and he's coming off the DL. I don't know. I, I guess, I mean, my, my first baseman there and now this would just, this wasn't on the rundown, but I'll ask you, Andrew Vaughn, five home runs, 31 RBI, you know, maybe what a 250 batting average. I mean, he's kind of been disappointing. Uh, so, I mean, it's kind of like the lesser of two evils at this stage, right? Well, so the big difference between the two, of course, is that Andrew Vaughn plays every day. Right? Yeah. And Andrew Vaughn, you know, he's going to do some stuff. I still, I mean, he's still got a, sh- a shot to break his career high in home runs. Granted, that's 17, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the plate discipline looks looks fine. It's really just, he doesn't hit the ball hard. He hasn't hit the ball hard as a pro, which is a shock because he did have power in the minor leagues. Yeah, uh, we haven't yeah. seen it. We haven't seen it. Still hits way too many balls on the ground. Uh, the, the White Sox have not been very good at developing players. Even the one, even the young players that they've got, they either got from trade or have been guys who uh, are just obscenely talented. Like they just had mm-hmm. tons of physical gifts and they still just do that. Like they haven't really become better hitters, right? Lewis Roberts is the same hitter that he was the whole time. Even though Jimenez is the same hitter he's been the whole time, right? The, the, I haven't seen the White Sox develop players into something better. So mm-hmm. that's my a little bit of concern there. But Andrew Vaughn, again, in a in a league with three outfield, he's right on that border of replacement level. Uh, mm. and even if he gets better, I mean, I, I don't know what you're looking for. You need a power outburst, I guess. Right. He bats mm. in the middle of the order, but it's not a very good order. It's not it's not something where Andrew Vaughn has such good skills that it's worth uh, investing in or saving. Right. He's not a buy low guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just someone that you have to, you know, he's, he's just a guy, right? Like he's <laughs> what Andrew, like, I mean, that team has a couple of them, like Andrew Benintendi. What is he? He's a guy with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, a little mm-hmm. bit of contact. So in fantasy, he's rostered most of the time, unless mm-hmm. you see something shinier and prettier on the wire. And that's sure. probably where I'm ending up with Andrew Vaughn. Only 25 years old, a really, really good hit tool in terms of the ability to make contact that hasn't changed. But unless I start seeing some power, I just, I'm going to stop caring real fast because it's been a right. while we've been waiting and the power's not yes. there. Yep. All right. So before we say goodbye, uh, anything that you'd like to mention about the hitter list, any, uh, big jumps moves either up or down. So, you know, I, I've been making some bigger moves and guys like Taylor Ward dropped. I think the big questions I'm getting right now are a lot of the similar questions that I saw in early April, just with different players. Right. So right now the guys I'm hearing about, you know, Hey, tell me about Dominic Fletcher. Tell me about Casey Schmidt. Uh, mm-hmm. These are guys who we, we've spoken uh, about yeah. them on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, we have. And, mm-hmm. and I got to mm-hmm. keep doing it because I got to remind people, like, <laughs> there's nothing to suggest that these guys are different than what we thought they were coming into the season. These are replacement level players who are hot right now who you probably are going to move on from very quickly right we talked about some of those luck indicators like looking at expected batting average expected slugging expected woba compared to what they've actually got right uh i mean the first clue for dominic fletcher is that he's got a 426 babbit right and again could a player have a 426 babbit in 69 plate appearances yes right but not not you know the way dominic fletcher is doing it is not how you do that Right. The way mm-hmm. you do that is just by smoking line drives all over the field. But Dominic Fletcher instead is hitting a bunch of ground balls. Right. They're just happening like he's just hitting a ton of ground balls up the middle. That squeaks through and that's not sustainable. Right. That's mm-hmm. why his, his expected batting average is like 250, 260. The expected slug is well below 400. The expected Woba well below 300. He's outperforming some of these by one to 200 points. Right. His expected slugging is like darn near 200 points lower than his actual slugging. Uh, th- that's just not something you can expect. So if you want to add him fine, but don't do it at the expense of a good player. Like mm-hmm. a, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like if I'm dropping Taylor Ward for Dominic Fletcher or Casey Schmidt, it's because I plan to stream the position, not because I think Dominic Fletcher or Casey Schmidt are going to stay in my lineup all the mm-hmm. time. Like if you want to stream an outfield of Brenton Doyle, Dominic Fletcher, uh, 
or, you know, you want to stream a utility guy, you know, talk about Casey Schmidt. Those are streamers. Those are guys that we're not going to talk about in June or July, you know, most likely. 80% chance that neither one of them, I, I won't be asked about a single one of them in June or July. It just mm-hmm. won't happen. Maybe, maybe June when people start saying like, so what's up with Dominic Fletcher? Nothing. He's Dominic Fletcher, right? <laughs> that's, that's a, you know, a guy who can play in the major leagues, which is a heck of a ball player and not that interesting for our purposes. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, sounds good. Uh, uh, been good talking to you uh, this week. Scott, we'll be back next week. Uh, you can follow my buddy Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. You can follow me at Joe Galena. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>